We all have a part to play. I read a definition of significance, which I like a lot. It's having meaning, having value, and being worthy of attention. And you think about God's view of us. You and I each have meaning, value, and we're worthy of his attention. Welcome to the 9 to 5 podcast, conversations with Christians about lives of faith, integrity, and excellence at work. They are from Christians in Commerce, a ministry supporting and encouraging men and women to be Christ in their workplaces. We hope you enjoy this episode. This is an excerpt from a presentation given by Steve Becker at our 2017 annual conference. If you wish to view the full presentation, a link is available on our website at workingforourfather.com forward slash nine to five. For we are co-workers in God's service. We are a new creation called to labor in our Father's vineyard as Christ and called to the same attitude that Jesus Christ had, which Paul reminds us about as he writes to the Philippians. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in every in very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped or to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by being the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. We are called to have that same mindset as Jesus did. Make my joy complete by being like-minded. This is Paul writing to the Philippians again having the same spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking out for your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. How in the world is this possible? I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The divine community of love is engaging us together in their work of restoring creation. God becomes more than a creator to us. He is our Father. Jesus becomes more than a Savior to us. He is our King. And the Holy Spirit becomes more than a personal helper and guide. He is the very love of God come alive in us. And we are more than sons and daughters. We are co-workers in his vineyard. We each have a personal and specific call. What I want to do today is share a little bit about how you figure that out. From my own perspective of my own experience. We are called by name. You are mine, he says. And we've been called to this time, in this place, in your particular situation, in your particular circumstances, in your particular story your particular history. I want to start out by sharing something I came across. A study was done by Yale on a hospital cleaning crew working at a university hospital. Now, you probably can't think of a more what most people look as a demeaning or mundane job than that. But they wanted to try to figure out how the people who actually did the job viewed it, and if there was a difference in how they might view it. 
So they found a group of people. They have, the basic question they were asking is, is this a job for a skilled person? Does this take skills? And about half of them said, no, it doesn't take any skills. Anybody could do this. And another group of them said, oh, you have to be very skilled to do this. So they wanted to find out what was the difference between the two groups. One of the cleaners, for example, would go into a room that had a comatose patient in it waiting to come out of, a, out of her coma. And she would, every time she cleaned, she would rearrange the pictures in the room, move them around. It wasn't part of her job description. Another one would walk into the room, they, they would look up at the ceiling to see what the view of the patients uh, of the room was, because the patients lay in the bed always looking up the ceiling to see if there's something they had to collect, correct or make better. They would work out with their, their staff that was there to see if there was a possibility when they were in there to give them a drink of water. You know, hospitals have all kinds of protocols, so they want to know if they, had, they could have permission. Would, would it be okay for me to give them a drink of water? Would, would it not be? If they needed help getting to the bathroom, how could I help them? Another one would look and watch to see if they were lonely, troubled, depressed, and then when their shift was done, they would stop by to sit down and visit with them. One of them described their job not as a cleaning crew, but as a healer creating a safe, sterile environment for the patients. And when asked about why she did what she did, she says, well, it's not part of my job, but it's part of me. They were crafting their jobs, providing greater meaning and purpose. The term that they gave to this was job crafting. So you may have a job description, I may have a job description, but there's several different aspects of that that we actually have control over. The tasks that we do, the relationships that we have, and our own perspective on how that job is and what it is. Now, I don't know where these workers were at, but their motivation was looking to provide greater meaning and purpose in their jobs. It wasn't about personal satisfaction. This is what the researchers found. It was about something more important and to be able to provide something of value to people around them. Now, I don't know where their faith is at or what their relationship is, but I can tell you this, they're not far from the kingdom of God. And they may be in smack dab in the middle of it. Now, this discovery of the academic researchers at Yale isn't anything new. It's old as God's creation. We cultivate our vocation. That's what we do. No matter what our job is, nobody, I've never had a perfect job. Maybe there's a few people out there. I may have stumbled across a person or two, but I don't know about you, nothing's perfect about my jobs. So I've had to adapt to them, or I tried to adapt them as best I could. So we have an opportunity to cultivate our vocation Using job, we can use job crafting when I'm working for people. I used to work with, a, with people who work for me, and I would try to help them pick their jobs better to their, who they were, what they had to do without compromising the goals, the objectives of our corporation. So they felt more fulfilled. It's all about being specific to the situation and taking the creativity that we're offered. But you know what? Then creativity has always been a part of God's plan. God's pretty good at creation. You could even say that's what he does for a living. 
So we have a responsibility for creation. We talk about being stewards of creation and those around us. To make it fruitful, to tend it well, and care for the physical and human world around us. Weaving work life into our call takes grace and ingenuity. Cultivating our vocation requires paying attention to the story of our lives and how it's unfolding before us, discovering the unique things each of us was created for and how we fit into the unique thing everybody else was created for, other individuals were created for. The issue is not a divide between the sacred and secular, as we've talked about. That's not where the issue is. We know it's all part of God's kingdom. It's between the sacred and the profane. We go into our workplaces to sanctify our workplaces and to sanctify our relationships, to take the profane and make it holy. Good work sanctifies the profane. All good comes from God. A quick break just to let you know about the Challenge Newsletter, a monthly publication that includes weekly reflections, feature articles specifically about workplace issues, and an insert to share with your coworkers, businesses, and friends. Check it out today by downloading it on our website at christiansincommerce.org. So I'm going to give you three pillars upon which to discern your own call. These are non-negotiable from my perspective. So the first pillar is recognize our significance. Individually and together. I'm not just talking about your significance or my significance. I'm talking about our significance. Everyone is important. God has made us to fit together in this great work and to bring about unity and shared effort. We have a unique mix of gifts and experience. You see it in your own chapters. I'm not a detailed person, and I've been smart enough to fill myself, surround myself with detailed people, or I get into big trouble. I try to be more detailed, but as hard as I try, I lack that skill set. We all have a part to play. I read a definition of significance, which I like a lot. It's having meaning, having value, and being worthy of attention. And you think about God's view of us. You and I each have meaning, value, and we're worthy of his attention. And we have his attention. We have a unique role in God's mission to restore all things. We were made in the image of God. And we are called to reflect that image. Now this is significant. It's not a world-based significance, which tends to be competitive, comparative, and self-centered. Instead, it's very freeing. It's complementary. It's unique, and it's very much in harmony. All are important. Think of Paul's image of the body that he talks about in Corinthians. We're not independent contractors. We're co-workers in Christ. We're not doing our own thing. This is particularly tough for us in America. It's all about me. It's all about my being my self-fulfilling. We aren't independent contractors. We're united under the king. 
co-workers in Christ. Lester DeCoster, we quote this in our Working for Our Father series, said the fabric of civilization is made of countless threads and each thread the work of someone. So each of us is a thread. It's not about intelligence, talents, power, position. Each of us is significant and important of attention in our own way. This is why, I mean, this is the amazing thing about Christianity. The mentally and physically impaired, the unfortunate, the damaged, the oppressed, the ridiculed, the mocked, the rejected, the unloved, all have a part to play. All have a significant gift to contribute. All matter. That's why any believer, all believers, can live the humblest, most unknown lives and be happy and fulfilled. Isn't this amazing? Amazing! How good is our God? All are made in the image of God. It can be a role as small as a mustard seed. God alone sees a significant part we can play in a particular network of individual and circumstances that are unique to us and important in his great plan. You have never met in your entire life an insignificant person. Everyone we meet is significant. And you yourselves are not insignificant. You matter to God. So let me insert here, tell you chapter one of my story, how things worked out for me. When I was 34 years old, I was about to walk through the doors of the largest advertising agency in the Twin Cities. And I was probably the most unqualified person to walk through those doors. I did not have the pedigree that they were looking for. It almost didn't happen. And the job that I got hired for would fade away in three years. But it positioned me for a new opportunity which played a pivotal role in my life. I was married by this time, I had two children, I had no degree, advanced or uh, otherwise, or undergrad, which was pretty much a requirement in that situation. My father had died when I was 18, I had goofed off in college, the Vietnam War was going on, all of a sudden my draft number came up and I ran to the Air Force so I could keep out of the Army. But things had unfolded to continue to lead me forward. In the Working for Our Father, the first video, we talk about the compassionate employer out of Matthew 20. How he goes out five times, the last time with only an hour left. He has everyone's interest in, in mind. He keeps hiring more and more people. At the last hour, he hires some people who just were too ashamed to go home. And so he keeps their self-respect intact brings them to work, and pays them all a day's wage. Because it matters to him that all of us make a contribution and participate in the carrying of his creation. Now, I, when I read that story, I said, you know what? I could work for a boss like that. And you know what happened? I did. I got assigned to account, and my supervisor's name was Dave. Uh, he would become like a father to me. Dave was old school. 
He didn't matter to him that I didn't have the degrees or the pedigrees that he was looking for. And he saw things in me that I didn't see in myself. And I was a pretty insecure person at that time. Uh, and the work that we, I was on this account, the work we were doing was very challenging work. But he forced raw abilities to develop and gave me on-the-job training. He would dump stuff on my lap, and his favorite expression was, all things are possible for he who doesn't have to do them. And the more I would get them done, the more he'd dump on my lap. But he was, a, he was a very encouraging man. He really wanted to see me do well. And it, he really influenced the way I, when I eventually was in a supervisory position, the way I cared for others. Now, a robust company came along while I was on this account. And it was fueled by an innovative and comprehensive communication and branding effort that our client at the other end was willing to invest in, and it brought, contributed to a tremendous growth on the account. Early on in this curve, upward curve, Dave retired from the account and I was put in charge. The account grew from three million to 34 million. These were heady times, but success, if you've ever been in an advertising agency, if you're bringing in revenue, they pretty much leave you alone which was great, so we had freedom to create our own team. My counterpart on the creative side was a dedicated Christian, and we were able to create our own culture in the agency. People would go do interviews uh, to come onto our account, and they would go back down to the human resources and say, I can't believe these people I'm talking to. It sounds as if this it's like a spiritual experience to work on this account. So these were exhilarating and fulfilling years. Accolades, fun work, great people, star status with our peers, but stay tuned, it doesn't stay that way. So the first thing is recognize our significance. The next thing is cooperate with the Holy Spirit. The best news, as we've heard several times, is the Holy Spirit gives us everything we need and joins together with each other, help us join together with each other so we can find out the way and do our part. Driven by love and devotion to the Father and one another, we desire to be made informed in the image of Jesus Christ, of God, the likeness of God. You know, the Christian life, really, if you think about it, is the acquisition of more and more of the power of the Holy Spirit. And I can tell you, as long as I've walked in the Spirit, I'm still trying to acquire, let more take over my life. And I hope we all are doing this. But the Holy Spirit is essential. Jesus promises we will do greater things, but does not send us out on our own without resources. He asks the Father to give us the help that we need. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Good intentions, personal talents, and hard work are not enough. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit and our willingness to cooperate. That is our part, to let him have his way with us. I can only find my purpose and role when the Holy Spirit is leading me.
That's the only time we can discover it. It's essential to fully participate in doing our part as stewards of his creation and restoring his kingdom by working for our Father. I have grown very affectionate to the phrase, working for our Father. It doesn't minimize the element of stewards of creation, but what stands out for me is the stewards of creation is the functional doing of what I'm called to do, but the working for our Father is the relational love that why I do what I do and what he asked me to. As we cooperate with the Holy Spirit, he surpasses all our expectations. Our mustard seed begins to grow. He's the seed within us. Planted in us, it sprouts, it grows, it becomes taller so that others can make their home in us and taste the kingdom of God. All this required is we cooperate. We remove the obstacles, we open up our heart, anything that would get in the way of impeding his growth in us. Led by the Spirit, over the time, the reign of God becomes stronger and more powerful in our life. As he works, we entrust ourselves more to his power. And this incredible passage underscores what that means. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him so that through him, through his promises, you may participate in the divine nature. He brings us into the community of love and we participate in the community of love, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Spirit provides us wisdom, knowledge, understanding, courage, and fortitude, counsel, and the ability to discern right from wrong, to see God's will, to see honestly what's motivated us, and he puts the capability within us to keep God at the very center of our lives, worship him alone. He becomes the treasure of our heart, drawing us towards him in love. All other finite, finite treasures begin to fade away and lose their hold on us, and we are set free, for we only want to love and serve our Lord. This is the Holy Spirit at work within us. And so the third pillar is to pursue humility of heart. Humility is basically knowing who we are. God is God and we are not. Why we are here, because he's called us to work for our Father. Where we are, this is not all there is. This is just a preparation for our eternal relationship with the Lord. So no matter what happens, there's more to come. And humility is not a virtue, it's an awareness. It's a perspective on things. Passions, desires, and preconceived notions lead us astray. They flatter us. I can remember making a bad decision to start up a consultancy and make an investment in it with a partner. There were red flags that came along. I should have recognized them, but I wasn't humble enough to recognize them or listen to some advice that was given and I had to shut it down after a year and a half. Humility, on the other hand, fosters detachment. Detachment from things that matter to me, like security, success, accolades, comfort, convenience, 
my time, my way, control, on and on. As good as they look, they're fleeting, and they lead me down a very dark path. We sell our freedom when we buy into these false goods. Detachment fosters objectivity. You are our father. We are the clay. You are our potter. And we are the work of your hand. Thanks for listening to this podcast. You'll want to check out our website at workingforourfather.com. It's constantly being updated with new content to support you and others in living your faith at work.